Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thank you for listening to Knockin' Doors Down, brought to you by KDD Media Company. So when I reached that age of 17, because I never even did a drug, I started drinking at like 16 years old, but by 17 is when I smoked pot for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like I found that group of friends that liked to party and I didn't feel like I was being made fun of or judged. The only thing is that, you know, it came with a price tag of them wanting to get high and the peer pressure right. of having me participate in it. Support for Knocking Doors Down is brought to you by Manscaped. Who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming? Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code KDD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code KDD. Your balls will thank you. Inside the 5150 Studios, this is Knocking Doors Down. Your host, Jason Lachance, and my co-host, Mikey Naraki. Hey, everyone. Of course, we've been through some different adversities, but turned them into our advantage. I, of course, uh, have struggled with alcoholism, uh, some childhood trauma, some sexual abuse, divorce, been through the ringer, but hey, that's all knowledge, and got to use it to fuel our futures. My co-host, no different. Yeah, you know, got the whole anxiety thing and uh, got myself busted a time or two. What are you going to do? Our guest this week, Alyssa Valentin. Alyssa Valentin, sweet girl. Met her before. We knew her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we knew her. This is one of a personal connection. We actually uh, met her when we traveled to talk to Bam Margera and Brandon Novak in person in Philadelphia. She's part of the team that helps set up some of our interviews, and uh, it was interesting to find out she herself has a story of addiction, which makes total sense now working for Banyan Treatment Centers. You know, meeting her, I would have never have thought that she would have gone so deep. I was just going to say that, you know, addiction, they don't really, addiction will go after anyone and everyone. Looking at her, you would have never thought she would have had the story that you guys are about to hear right now. I I would have never have thought that. Yeah, absolutely. But she is a, a total champion for sobriety and addiction recovery and turning your life around. And uh, we were really excited to share her story with you. And of course, we got to thank 5150 LTM. That's 5150LTM.com. All the gear that Mikey and I wear, you see it in our social media posts, the videos that are available on YouTube for the full interviews. And you can get a discount right now by using code KDD20. That's the number 2020. And just click that link in the podcast description and get 20% off all your purchases. Go handle it and get that swag. Alyssa Valentin. Hello. What is going on? Thank you for your time here on Knocking Doors Down. How are you? I'm doing very good. Thank good to, you. Good How are to, you guys doing? Good. Good to talk to you and see you again. 
Yes, I know it's been a little while. Um, you know, I was thinking about it. I was like, I'm so glad that we waited to do it because when I met you guys in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. I was so tired. <laughs> oh, us too. We're on California time still. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys pulled it off very well. You know, it was like you were doing the interview with Mike and, you know, I could tell you guys were vibing. I was like, you know, we can just do this. <laughs> Uh, but yes, it was a cool trip for those that are listening, wondering what uh, Alyssa's talking about. Uh, she was part of the, the crew for uh, not only Mike, the situation, but Bam Margera. And it was a cool trip. We had a great time. Yeah, we were at Bam Bam's house together. That was fun. Yep, we were at Castle Bam. That was such a fun time. Yeah. You know, you guys were inside doing the uh, interview and we were outside with Bam's wife and his son. And it was just so funny to see some of the things that, you know, Phoenix does because he's like, he's a little bam. <laughs> he was riding that, um, that truck down the ramp and like doing a burnout at the end of it. I was like, wow. <laughs> so that's that nature versus nurture. Some of it's just ingrained. Yeah. We can't avoid it. Right. Yeah, no, totally, totally. But. So how's work going and everything for you right now? Of course, uh, you know, part of the, the, the reason we connected there in Philadelphia, you work with the Banyan Treatment Centers and having gone through your own rehabilitation, which we're going to get into. But uh, a little more about work right now. How's it going, especially still in the, the COVID area, era? So you know what? I have nothing to complain about when it comes to work. Work is great. Work is amazing. Banyan is such an amazing organization to work for. And, you know, COVID's been tough for everybody, but we've really been able to combat a lot of the struggles that other companies maybe haven't. I know a lot of businesses closed down, but I mean, aside from that, we've opened up facilities during this time. Um, We opened Palm Springs like that week that the shit really hit the fan, you know, (laughs) like really close to that time period back in March. And then uh, we have Texas opening up this week and then we have another location in Massachusetts opening up at the end of the month. So we're we're killing them. I couldn't be more grateful. Yeah. That's, the, that's for sure. So Yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's a, it's neat to hear when people's story they come from a f- through their own addiction and then are doing the work out there within the community and helping other people and really it's what, you know, what we're about as you know. So it's uh how did you come about working with the facility? So I've been working in the treatment industry for about seven or eight years now. I Mm -hmm. can't even tell the time just kind of flies by. So I started working in the industry because obviously I'm in recovery myself and I was working at the treatment center that I went to as an alumni coordinator. Um, And the alumni coordinator position was in the marketing department. And shortly after doing alumni, you know, the marketing director was like, I really feel like you have something different, unique, you're more creative in storytelling. And, you know, you always offer a lot of suggestions that have nothing to do with your department. <laughs> so I quickly got pulled into full on marketing as an intern, essentially from the beginning, learned a little bit about every little part of the department. And then um, I started working at Banyan and now I'm the national director of marketing for them. So that's so awesome. So that's gotta it. be pretty rewarding working for Banyan, being in recovery yourself. Um, how take us back to a young Alyssa Valentin where where did it all how was it growing up family life all that good stuff so growing up uh I mean my family is amazing um I we do have addiction that does run in our family primarily alcoholism Mm -hmm. but I also feel like alcoholism was like the first true addiction before like real deal addiction started kicking from the opioid epidemic 
But, you know, I come from a very large Puerto Rican family. We love to have a good time. We love to party. So like drinking was very normalized at a very young age for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and to be quite honest with you, like my immediate family, they taught me like the, the best core principles that you can in life. Like my mom and dad are successful people. My brother works for the state department. You know, my sister is a director at her company. And, you know, it's funny, like, my brother's never done drugs before. My sister was the girl that called my parents to pick her up from a house party because they were doing drugs. And then I wound up being a heroin addict. <laughs> um, but I do believe a lot of that comes into play because there was some, you know, what we would call like innocent bullying growing up sure. because my family was so large, uh, which I've come to, well, I know now for me that I took it more seriously and it kind of impacted me. Mm -hmm. And as we see out there in the world that, you know, kids bully each other and it, it can lead them down a bad path. Yeah. So just because of the size of my family and having so many, cause I have 32 first cousins, it's easy for oh, one shit. to oh, kind of shit. like make jokes, poke yeah. at one and then everyone kind of hop on, hops on that bandwagon. And unfortunately, I kind of fell victim to that a little bit. Mm -hmm. So when I got to that like impressionable age uh, as a young adult, I really had an issue with people pleasing, you know, and yeah. it wasn't like just my family. And then I, I went home or, you know, I went to school and I had a different group of friends. Like we were all the same age. We all live in the same town. We all went to school together. So whatever happened there trickled into my school life. So I was bullied in school, too. So when I reached that age of 17, because I never even did a drug, I started drinking at like 16 years old, but by 17 is when I smoked pot for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, it was like, I found that group of friends that liked to party and I didn't feel like I was being made fun of or judged. The only thing is that, you know, it came with a price tag of them wanting to get high and the peer pressure right. of having me participate in it. Did you feel somewhat guilty being that your brother wasn't that way? Neither was your sister. You were the only sibling to partake in that kind of stuff. Did that kind of wear on you a little bit or was that, oh, yeah. was it all just trying oh. to fit in? No, of course. You know, I, it was like, I felt like a total black sheep when it came to my family, right. you know, right. um, actually my drug addiction and obviously the consequence of drug addiction was, you know, getting arrested and legal trouble that I was in it almost affected my brother's job because part of wow. first he worked for the secret service. And like part of that job is to do like a full background check, not just on them, but everybody in their immediate family. And he was like genuinely concerned. Like I've literally worked for a decade in the military. I've done all these things. And if I can't get this job because of the mistakes you've made, like I'm going to be really pissed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, fuck, I can only you know, imagine. Like, literally his graduation at the white house i was supposed to be there for the secret service graduation but i was in rehab instead <laughs> so, who was president at the uh, time when he got when he when he went into the secret service um oh my god who was it it oh. was let's just name off some of the past presidents clinton bush Barack, right now. obama no it was obama mm. obama, yeah, was obama. obama. That, that's mm -hmm. awesome yeah <laughs> was that your obama but, that's my obama do it, Sorry, again. The, do it again that's excellent <laughs> that's great great, great that's how he would talk great. he would just talk straightforward 
Uh, Thank you, Elizabeth. <laughs> so back to it. Your brother, your brother got in. Everything, everything's been fine. And you were in rehab. It sucks you couldn't make it, but it's best because you're well. Or was that your first and only time in rehab? Did you do any kind of relapse, or were you good after that? Or so that was my first time in rehab. Mm -hmm. um, I think just like anybody else, you kind of get out and you try to figure out like the bits and pieces of the suggestions sure. that are told. So like, I'm going to take this one. I don't think I'm going to take this one. Sure. Uh, so I did wind up going a second time, but I really do believe the way that my family kind of approached my addiction issues and the bottom I had gotten to before I even went to treatment the first time mm -hmm. really allowed me to be like, okay, like I'm not doing this a million times. I, it blows my mind when I meet people that have been to treatment 30 times. I'm like, how? Like, yeah. that's crazy to me, yeah. you know? Yeah. I was so done by the time I got to that point of going to treatment. I was homeless, I had nothing, you know, my no one would talk to me, I had no friends, I was completely alienated. I was like maybe 90 pounds, emaciated, skin tone the color gray, been arrested a million times, like I was done. Yeah. yeah. So you talked about from, you know, just in high school, you know, hooking up with that group that wanted to get high. How did take us to the path to eventually using heroin? And like you said, ending up 90 pounds, emaciated, homeless. Yeah. How did it so, get there? I'm sorry. What was that? Oh, I was just adding on to Jason, like how, how it got there. How did it get there? Yeah, sure. One second. I'm going to answer that question after I let the dog in. <laughs> So one is spicy. There's one to be outside. The other one will be outside for hours. All right, now we're safe. You're not. Oh, look at the puppy. Yeah, that's my Nina. I could have my okay. dog here if I want. If it if that was allowed, I totally would. <laughs> so, uh, you know, growing up, I did know that drugs were bad, right? Yeah. I actually, fun fact, was the honorary spokesperson for our dare graduation. They chose me out of everybody in the class. <laughs> stand up there at our graduation and say like how I believe drugs are bad. And that's how I was raised. Uh, and I do believe that kind of that people pleasing mentality when I became friends with these people, it was peer pressure. Like the first time I smoked pot was because I was being told like, if you smoke this pot, I'll take you to go see your boyfriend in the neighboring town whenever you need to. Like I didn't have a car, like stop being stupid. Like just do it. We're all doing it. Who cares? You're being so lame. Oh my God. Why do we even hang out with you? So that's like, Oh, whatever. I'll try it. You know? And then it's kind of like the impression that they teach you and dare is like drugs are bad. So after you do it and you lose that fear the first time, it's like, wow, I didn't spontaneously combust. Like, right. okay. People use drugs because they like it because it's fun because it's enjoyable. So then it kind of just like takes that level of like, I'll never do drugs. So, okay, maybe now you're more open to it. And then it's like, I'm at a party. I walk downstairs in the basement and I see a bunch of my close friends like doing lines of Coke. And I immediately start freaking out and they're like, oh my God, you're being ridiculous. Like we've been doing this for months and you had no idea. Stop being lame. Try it. Go ahead. What's the problem? Like, yeah. We're not going to hang out with you anymore. Like, why do you have to be so dramatic? So then I try that, mm -hmm. you know, and it was like that progression every time. But the one drug that I actually did that I would say even before heroin is like my true genuine drug of choice, because pot, I just smoked it because everyone else smoked it. I wasn't into it. Coke sure. was like a party for a month. And I was like, this sucks. The first time I did ecstasy was mm -hmm. like the holy grail for me. I was like, wow. 
Like I feel good. I love everybody. I love myself. And that was like the first time I was really drug seeking, like let's roll face every weekend, every weekend, every weekend, you know, that's what I wanted to do. But I'm sure as you guys probably know, when you do ecstasy, it uses all the dopamine in your brain and you get a really bad hangover the next day. Absolutely. Next day's hell. So that hangover is what led to heroin for me. Wow. Um, So at that time that I was using ecstasy, I had like one friend that was using heroin. I didn't even know he was using heroin. Nobody was doing it at that time. This was like right before the opiate epidemic really came to New Jersey, which is where I'm from. Like it was going on in Florida, but I didn't live in Florida at the time. So he was going to Newark to get his heroin. And he asked if my boyfriend and I wanted to go for a ride with him. He didn't want to be by himself. It's a 40 minute drive. We're like, yeah, sure. Whatever. We're not doing anything. My boyfriend and I have like a major hangover in the backseat talking about how we don't feel good. And he's like, you know, we're, I'm going to go pick up D is what he called it. I didn't even know I was doing heroin the first time I did it. Anyway, it's a little side piece there. Yeah. He's like, I'm, it's a painkiller. Like if you want to take like a little bump, you're going to feel better. And I was like, nah, I, this D nonsense. I don't know what that is. So he didn't and say my, heroin. He just said D. Never. Yep. Gotcha. I had no idea what it was. I had no idea. And then my boyfriend was like, well, I feel like shit. I'm doing it. Like, I don't care. And after I saw him do like this tiny little bump and like feel better, I was like, well, shit, I want to feel better too, you know? And all, <laughs> all it took was that fingernail line. It was the smallest little bump to be hooked and lose myself for over three years. So at what Fuck. point did you figure out that it was in fact, cause I feel like heroin, just that word alone carries so much power. Like yeah. when you think of drugs, it's like weed, okay. Coke, well, it's the champagne of drugs. Celebrities do Coke, it's, it's whatever. But heroin, when you just hear heroin, it's just so intense. When did you find out that it was actually, that D was heroin? Probably not until I started having withdrawals, which I didn't even know was a thing when I tried it. So were you pissed off when you found out? Like, what the fuck, this was heroin? Yeah, but at that point I was hooked to it, so it didn't really matter what it was. Right, right, damn. So you were hooked then pretty damn quick. So fast. I mean, I'm pretty sure the statistic is, like, you do it for three days in a row and you're physically addicted. Fuck. And for me, not knowing not knowing that, I didn't even know what I was doing, yeah. let alone that little bit of information. I did it for a week straight and having a great time. I go to my sister's house and I'm like, why am I so cold? And I'm like, clammy. I'm like, what is wrong with me? And she's like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I don't feel good. And I have no idea why. And then come to find out it's because I was having a physical dependency issue with heroin and I didn't know I was using it. So... Yeah. What so was fun stuff. What was that first withdrawal like? It's awful. I mean, it's you feel like you have the flu, I guess you would say. I mean, I've only had the flu once in my life and it was pretty horrendous. Oh gosh, but you're I mean, one of those. The, <laughs> I get the flu like once every <laughs> fucking year. Do you really? <laughs> yeah. Awful. Um Colds, clammy, sweats, you know, uh, your armpits are just like dripping, your stomach hurts, you can't eat, you can't focus, you can't think, you're shaking. I mean, it's it's the worst feeling on the planet. Mm-hmm. And once you and once you recognize that like a little bit of something can take it away, like you're not gonna want to go through that. And especially because as the days go on, it gets worse. 
Right. You know, I mean, we're talking about you can try to detox at home. Um, it can take up to two weeks for some people and it's complete hell. And if you don't take care of yourself properly, like they say, the detox itself won't kill you. But like being dehydrated from it and like, you know, the other things to collectively be a part of it, that could kill you. Mm -hmm. So it's really dangerous to detox at home, let alone most people can't make it through the first couple of days. Right. You know, eventually you start puking, you know, like it's it's a mess. Coming out both ends, I've heard. Coming all out the both ends, yes. <laughs> I don't want any part of that. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's the so, shits, literally. Literally. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a terrible drug. And like, if I knew then what I, I know now, like maybe things would have been differently, but I can't change anything in the past. And at the end of the day, what I've been able to do with my life from those days, like I, I would never, I would never give it up. You know, it sounds crazy, but like my life today is so amazing. I've helped so many people throughout their own addictions and like just where my career has taken me, you know, I'm like known for working with like recovery celebrities. Like that's pretty cool. You know, we're helped storytelling and saving people at the same time and giving them inspiration and hope. Yeah. So I'm curious, the first week when you found out you were addicted at your sister's house and you had all the sweats and all that, what was your first initial thought? Like, oh, fuck, I'm I'm addicted to heroin. What was going through your head when you, like, put all that together? Yeah. That D was heroin, what I'm, now I'm addicted. Walk us through that. <laughs> you know, I mean, at the time, I was so young and naive I, I really truly believed like, well, I guess this is my life now. Yeah, you know, I was yeah. 19 years old. I didn't have a lot of self-esteem, obviously, if I'm like hanging out with these individuals. Um, and it sucked, but I, I was also in a lot of denial. Like, yes, I realized, oh my God, I think I'm sick from the drugs, but I it still like took me a while to realize like, I can't just quit. I don't know how to quit. I don't know how to start. I'm just going to keep doing this. And still the consequences of my life weren't that bad at that time. It was like, yeah, I was withdrawing, but I still had a job. I still had some friends. Not everybody knew I was using, but like right. shortly after that day, like everyone started to find out, like I said, my family's big. They're all throughout town. Like the word got out mm -hmm. and people just cut me off. I mean, all of my friends stopped talking to me, my family, like nobody wanted to be involved with me. But let me tell you something. My addiction was a fighter. It kept going for years until there was nothing left and I had no choice but to get better. We'll be back with more with Alyssa Valentin. We'll talk about her recovery process as well as the work she's doing now working closely with the Banyan Treatment Centers and some rapid questions. Hey fellas, we're in the thick of winter and a storm's a brewing. It looks like one to three inches are in the forecast when you trim that hibernation bush that's taking place in your pants. Luckily, our partners at Manscaped specialize in products to make sure you're walking around town with beautiful snowballs. The performance package comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, Weed Whacker, Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Performance Boxers, and Travel Bag. Have you ever noticed how nasty nose and ear hair is? In fact, 79% of the partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. Might as well use the best tools to do the job. That's right, and only Manscaped can do it, because hey, we've all been out there on a date or something, and then you find yourself going to the bathroom, and what do you have? A veritable forest growing out of your nostrils. Nothing says 
action ain't happening like that. So definitely pick yourself up some Manscaped products. You can get 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code KDD. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code KDD. Thanks, Manscaped, for making our winner wieners look so good. The Knockin' Doors Down book shares all the history and inspiration behind the Carlos Vieira Foundation and how it all started. All proceeds from the book benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation's Race to Be Drug-Free campaign. So what's that all about? Through the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign, Carlos Vieira Foundation raises awareness about drug abuse, donates to drug-free programs, and brings drug-free speakers into schools to educate youth. The Race to Be Drug-Free campaign's main program is the Gloves Not Drugs boxing program. This program is completely free for kids between the ages of 8 and 17 to learn discipline, strength, respect, camaraderie, and the art of boxing and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. The program was created to keep kids off the streets, out of gangs, and away from drugs. For more info and to get involved, check out carlosvierafoundation.org. Was there anyone that, that right off the bat that was like, hey, cut the shit, some early interventions or anything? Or did, did yeah, it kind of so, just the withdraw of everybody kind of trickle down your spiral? So my brother and sister actually tried to uh, intervene on me pretty early on once the word got out that I was using, like my brother flew into town, which he never really does. Um, and my sister's like, yeah, we're all going to hang out together because we're young adults and we want to have a relationship. I'm like, okay, this is weird, whatever. And they sat down with me and they tried to talk to me and ask me if I was, they, I heard you were using heroin. Is that true? And I'm like, no, what are you talking about? Like just complete denial. Sure. I was still having too good of a time. I wasn't, I was in love with it at mm -hmm. that point. You right. know, it wasn't until years later that I had gone through all the struggles with the world that comes with heroin addiction that I really started to resent it and want to make a change right yeah because at that point you like you said all the insecurities the the, the being bullied um which is so uh, some states it's becoming the number one um cause for suicide of teens in certain states it's also suicide is the number one death rate and you know so you're affected by all that and then here's this thing that takes away all those fears and those feels and everything else and like you said between the ecstasy and the heroin you're just like you know I felt invincible. Like I didn't have to worry about any of those pains and struggles that I had dealt with for such a long time. Yeah. Now I was very, that sounds very familiar. Uh, mm -hmm. So you, at this point, you, your siblings have kind of intervened. You deny it, but we still got about another two years of usage before there. What, what kind of lead us to your rock bottom? So, you know, after they kind of, uh, approached me there were some instances where like you know my mom really struggled with my addiction in general she wanted to help me she didn't know how to help me and it was a lot of like learning behavior of not letting her enable me and trust me I manipulated the shit out of her <laughs> my dad I didn't live with him they're divorced um, but I live with my mom and we were always close since day one as a kid like I was such a weird kid I'd wake up in the middle of the night and like cut, kiss her and hug her in her sleep just because That's I adorable. loved her and go back to that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, my, my mom is like, I never thought in a million years that, 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 that this would be the life that you would live. You were so sweet. You always like stood up for people. Like I, I beat up these two kids because they were jumping someone else at the bus stop and got called into the principal's office and like told 
you shouldn't do that, but like, we're proud of you. You know, mm -hmm. like I always stood up for people. I didn't believe in using drugs. I didn't believe in treating people bad. And then here I am addicted to heroin and strung out. And now I'm, I'm robbing, I'm stealing because I don't make a lot of money at my job. And honestly, like the company I worked for at the time, uh, I knew the owner since I was like six years old. So he really felt for me a lot and he kind of like dealt with my bullshit. So I would have insurance. Yeah. And eventually he was actually the, the one the first time to be like, listen, when you're good, you're great. Like you're one of the best employees I have. You're so smart, but when you're bad, you're bad. And I just, I can't have this here. Like I want you to go to treatment. Yeah. So I went because he pushed me to the first time. Yeah. But, um, so when he it took my mom, go ahead. I was just going to say, it took my mom, you know, a long time to really get past like seeing that it was a genuine problem because the ones closest to you never want to believe that it's true. Yeah. 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 It all sounds very familiar. It's a, interesting you talk about that where it's like the ultimatum situation. When we talked to Charlie Sheen, he was even that way. He's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll stay clean while I'm working and then I'll do all these other things you want me to. But then once it's my time again, fuck you guys, I'm going to go do it how I want to do it. Was that kind yeah. of what took place for you? Yeah, pretty much. I was, he said, I'll pay you while you're there. I'm like, all right, great. I'll have lots of money when I get out. Like, let's do this. And then obviously I got out and I wasn't <clears throat> there for the right reasons. And it was my first time. And what was I, 21 at the time? Like, I was still really young, you know? And I didn't believe that maybe I shouldn't stop drinking. And it was like that first day that I got back to my hometown. I was approached with heroin and I had no defense mechanism against it. Like I was like, okay, we're doing this. Right. Um, but you know, it's like you have that moment, you're finally clean, you know, after going to detox and going through the withdrawals of that. And then you, you see a bag in front of you and you're, you can't control yourself. You just do it. It's crazy. You just went through all of this. You immediately forget all the lying and stealing and stealing and cheating and breaking into places and doing crazy stuff, being homeless. Like I lived in a car for a year. My knees used to kill me from sleeping in the back of a car. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. In the freezing cold, the winters of New Jersey. Like I was not okay. Yeah. And then I go to treatment and I just give it up. Isn't that crazy how it works? Like right when you get back, there it is right in front of you. I remember when I got back from my, re I didn't have a phone. I still haven't even gotten a phone yet or anything. I go to the gas station and I see the dealer there. <laughs> I'm just fuck. like, what the fuck are the odds? That's just, yeah. it's absolutely insane. So backing up a little bit, you, you went to rehab the first time because your boss wanted you to go and you just weren't about it. So when you were in rehab, did you kind of have the mentality like, fuck, I can't wait to get out so I can go do this because I'm going to have money because he said he was going to pay me. So I'm going to have a shit ton of money. I'm going to load up. I'm going to be good. Like, was that your mindset or did a little bit behind you think, you know what? I, I maybe I should get better or cause I know 21's young. It is a young age to, you know, get help and whatnot. But what was your mindset when you went for the first time? So it was a little mixture of both. Like initially it was like, yes, I'm just going to go. People will get off my back. I'll have this money. I can do whatever I want when I get out, like 30 days in I'm out. I can do me again. Sure. But on the other side of things, like the real Alyssa on the inside was like, you know, go, let's try to get better. Like, I don't want to live like this anymore. And when I was there, I did learn a lot. Um, I was super 
grateful for the experience. Like I enjoyed being there. You know, I, I liked the therapy. It did help me a lot. Um, but unfortunately the program that I went to the first time, like they just weren't strict enough mm -hmm. and I was able to manipulate like the whole time I was in PHP, I to get like an hour break that we could walk off the property and like go do whatever we wanted. And I was, don't even ask me how, because I don't know. I was Western unioning myself, picking up money, going to the gas station, buying spice. I was high as a kite off in, on spice the entire time I was I in forgot PHP. forgot about spice. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That shit is rough. Spice is no good. Um, so that's legal only though, isn't it? Spice you could buy that in like smoke shops and shit, can't you? It's legal, but I promise you, it's one hundred percent not okay. Oh yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> like, that shit. I yeah. remember a buddy okay. did it, and his he started crying because he thought his face was coming off. Yeah, no, that that shit is not okay. No, it's awful. I have like collapsed on spice, like felt my whole body like locking up and I'm like waiting for it to be over. And it's only like five minutes and you're like, oh, it was terrifying. Mm -hmm. And then you you rip it again, you know? So right. like the addiction, the addict mentality was definitely there. Right. Um, but you know, like I'm saying, it's really hard to be successful in treatment when you're smoking spice the entire time. Sure. Yeah. So I, I had a hard time letting go of those like manipulative tendencies. Mm -hmm. yeah. And And then the second so, bout, second bout in rehab that was you that was your decision that was all me yes mm. so i came home i told you i was approached by my ex-boyfriend mm -hmm. with heroin the day i got home i have a present for you he's lying telling me he was sober he had been in like prison for nine months prior to that so i actually believed him stupid mm -hmm. of me um so of course it's off to the races and in three short months i was able to like deteriorate everything again and uh the night I or the day that I decided to make the phone call to get help that night before I had nowhere to go. No friends would let me sleep on their couch like I couldn't find anywhere to go. Um, so I slept on a lawn chair in someone's backyard and it was like June. So it was really hot and I woke up with like mosquito bites all over me and I was like burnt and miserable. I was like, I cannot live like this anymore. I am so done. And that's when I decided to make the call. And that's when I got into um, the treatment center that I went to. And I, I made that decision right then and there, although it was kind of forced on me, like I can't, I can't do the same things that I did before, you know? Mm -hmm. So I called my parents, I told them I wanna go, this time it's for me, like I'm serious, I'm done. I don't wanna live like this anymore. My mom and dad picked me up. They brought me to the airport. My dad puts my suitcase on the, on the curb. He hands me $20, he goes, here you go, have a nice life. You're no longer welcome in the state of New Jersey. So figure it out. Oh, fuck. Damn. <laughs> it's like, okay. If that's not tough love. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Holy shit. $20. Have a great life. Figure it out. We are done. And you know what? I never looked back. Yeah. I went to treatment. I got out. I did have another stint with Spice while living in the halfway house, although it was like, the worst experience. I was getting high with this girl. I literally did not talk. We would sit there high as a kite on spice for an hour straight looking at each other. And I'm like, this is awful. That's I'm not fucking really weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. That sounds absolutely so miserable. <laughs> but, um, you know, that was like a week and then I was like, all right, I'm really done. But I got a job. I, you know, I was working in a call center, making like nothing. I was barely able to pay my rent at the halfway house. And, you know, I had food stamps 
uh, to eat food, but I didn't ask my parents for anything. They weren't willing to give it anyway, but I was able to like just chip away these little milestones and accomplishments, like pay down my debt to get my license back. Then eventually like, it's like, God really worked for me in some amazing ways in life. Like as soon as I got my license back was like, okay, like now I need to start saving up for a car. And then all of a sudden this opportunity fell in my lap to get a car, like a beater for $300. And like, I could afford that at that time, you know? So like now, like I'm able to, I have wheels, like I can get around, you know? And I'm like helping people go to meetings and, you know, doing whatever I need to do to give back. And, you know, then I decide to get a better job, you know, now I'm ready to work in treatment. And then it's like, now, okay, now this path for a career starts. And like, it just life is, I can't even believe that like, I have some of the memories that I do. I always sure. say it's like, you possess a stranger's memories in life because the person I am today, like I would never in a million years do any of the things that I did. I can't even believe I did them. Oh God. <laughs> yes. I'm sure that, but I know I can relate. I'm sure he can too. It's just like, fuck, that is not the person I ever, you know, when you talk about who you were innately as a child to who you are now, it's like having met you and, and then, uh, you know, our, our, our mutual, uh, friend that's, uh, you know, is like, Oh, well, Alyssa's got a story too. I would have fucking not believed it because you're like vibrant, full of energy, life, you know, wife, you know, family orientated and all these things. It's, it's unreal. And, so, you know, and kudos. I, I used to do that because uh, I was speaking at a meeting one time and, you know, I walk up, I t- tell my story and then this older black dude in the back, he raises his hand. He goes, man, I just got to tell you, I'm sorry. I'm like, okay. Why? He's like, I saw you walk up in this room. I was like, oh, Lord, here we go. I'm going to sit here and listen to her talk about how she drank wine with her nanny and then she opened up her mouth. And I'm like, damn, girl, I misjudged you. So yeah. I am sorry. For real. Like, when we heard I that, I was like, her? Really? <laughs> uh, no, it's it, it's wonderful. And, and just so much love to you for how much you've turned it or, your life around. And now, you know, like you said, that blessing that came along, the $300 beater car to getting people to meetings and, you know, the accountability that's so important. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, and it was like everything that's happened in my time period of recovery, which I have uh, nine years sober, I'm going to have 10 years on October 28th. It's like everything, the good and the bad, because life still happens, but especially the bad, like it just drives me to want to do better in life. You know, like I've lost so many people to the disease of addiction. And like every time that that happens, like it blows my mind that somebody dies of an overdose and then somebody can relapse over it. I'm like, I resent drugs for taking away that person from me, you know, like everything just fuels me to want to keep doing better and to keep staying on this, on this path. Like nothing is worth giving away what I have now. So have you patched up your relationship with your dad since then or? Oh yeah. My, my parents couldn't be more proud of me. Oh yeah. I am like, you know, they're, we're so happy. We have such a good relationship, you know, like there's never one time I talk to them that we don't say we love each other. Uh, and you know, they've used the struggles that of the situation with me to help other parents Mm -hmm. too, you know, Mm -hmm. and they, they understand and they see like 
the same way that we kind of talk about it in recovery, like my mess turned into a message, they, they use it the same way nice. to kind of empower them to get through that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great to hear. Hey, Mikey, are you filling some uh, random questions? Sure. We have these random questions for you, Alyssa. You have to answer them in three seconds or they will be <laughs> skipped and we'll move on to the next one. Um, <laughs> He's kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> we uh, just got some fun questions we like to wrap up the episode with. Are you ready? I am ready. If they were to make a movie about Ooh. you, who would you want, who would you cast as the actress to play you? So I would have to say Lady Gaga. Love it. Love Lady Gaga. First of all, Gaga. she's like, she's an amazing actress. Um, I've also been told I look like her, which I don't think so. But you she's said like, that? she's got that weird. Right when you said Lady Gaga, I'm like, I could totally say Like yeah. when you first came on and we first saw you or hell, when we first met you, I did not get that whatsoever. But now that you say that, I'm like, okay. I mean, I could see her playing you. Oh, and yeah. also to touch on that too, I had no idea the New Jersey, but the more and more you talk, I hear it. I totally hear the <laughs> oh, Jersey. Oh, yeah, it comes out. Yeah, I totally hear it. <laughs> nah, I caught it when we were in Philadelphia. I didn't catch it in Philly. Oh, it I was, didn't catch it. I, I just, just sitting there talking with Mike, but yeah, and the good thing about Lady Gaga too, she her own struggles with addiction, so mm-hmm. probably definitely yeah, really understand. Sure. Uh, any pet peeves? Um, I mean, I have a lot, but I would say that the biggest thing that drives me crazy is people being lazy. I hate when people don't try to figure something out for themselves. And I guess it's primarily because I deal with a lot of people like that, that they come to me because they know that I have the answer on things and they don't <laughs> try to figure it out themselves. <laughs> Never dealt with that in my life ever. <laughs> yes. That's your only pet? That's your biggest one? Or do you have any other ones say, that kind of grind them. you? You could even get petty with them. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That's definitely a big one for me. It kind of gets me real feisty. But, I mean, I guess we can say, like, when people don't flush the toilet, my stepson oh, does that yeah. all the time. It drives me crazy. Both when of my people nephews. are messy. Yep. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm pretty chill. Like, it takes a lot to, like, get me real worked up. And I think that's just, like the work that I've put into myself. I'm like, everything's fine. It's okay. (laughs) It is what it is, man. Okay. If you could have dinner with just one person living or not, who would it be? Mm. You know, my mind instantly goes to like a million celebrities maybe, but I don't know. I think I would probably have to say um, one of my good friends that passed away, his name is Danny, Mm. um, just because we were like super, super close and he passed away a few years ago. And I think it would be really nice to be able to chat with him one more time. Just to get that. That's awesome. Uh, Favorite curse word? F-U-C-K. You can say fuck. It's okay. <laughs> it unless, unless it makes you uncomfortable, yeah. then I'm just saying it's okay to say it no. on this podcast. No. Yeah. Yeah. The good thing about that word is it's a noun. It's a verb. It's an adjective. It's an adverb. It can fit in any sort of setting. So, uh, so you know, it's funny. I used to curse a lot in early recovery. It was just part of the street life, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know. And then a uh, tech said to me in treatment, like, you're such a beautiful girl. But your mouth is awful. Like you just talk so awful. You curse so much. You should probably work on that. So ever since that day, I've been a little self-conscious about the the amount of cursing I do. So that was an incredibly inappropriate question, Jason. <laughs> okay, I'm no, gonna let me. I curse. I curse. Don't, I'm don't gonna get let... it twisted. I'm gonna let Mikey finish the interview. What is your favorite <laughs> hobby? 
Uh, what is my favorite hobby? I mean, I would love to say exercise. Um, I do like to work out a lot, but I like to um, make pottery. Oh, mm -hmm. nice. That's I, my thing. I yeah. thought maybe it was chasing around the stepson or something, you know, because that, that, that's a handful. <laughs> it's like, that's a good workout. Um, biggest inspiration or mentor in life? Oh, man. And maybe they're two different people. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, there's there's been points. I, I feel like it's like people in my life, like people that are close to me that I look up to a lot, a lot of my friends. But yeah, I, I don't think I have like a celebrity. I don't even sure. know if you're referring to that. But there's like the people I keep around me, they inspire me a lot for all the different things that they do. You know, like I'm close with Megan Leach. I know you interviewed her. Oh, yeah. So like so many, I have so many good people around me and like little things that they do, they really inspire me and we kind of inspire each other. I love it. I could feel the same, Jason. He inspires me. Absolutely. So yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. To do what? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if your friends aren't inspiring you, you need new friends. Good point. Very good true. Point. Absolutely. You keep your circle the way it is for that reason, whatever that yes. may be even inspiring. Okay, if you could travel anywhere in time, but you had to stay there, like in the past, in the future, but you had to stay there, where would you go? Mm. I don't know, I'd probably say year 2000. It was a, a pretty fun time. So you'd go back in time? No, I think I'd go back in time because I mean, just with the knowledge I have now, I'd probably like invest in Tesla or something. <laughs> or GameStop. We're getting <laughs> that yeah. shit already oh, tanked, Mikey. Oh, okay. Get on that shit. Yeah, <laughs> that ship set sail. It it went. Pew, pew. It, it Titanic. I was literally so pissed. Like a couple of my coworkers like got in on that and knew about that. I was like, hey, do me a solid. The next time you know something like that, hook a sister up. Yeah, right? for real. Let me shoot you ten bucks so I can make forty grand off it. Like, can oh, you yeah. do me a solid? That'd be great. It, it, yeah, it, like even Amazon. If you look at Amazon stock pre-pandemic to where it's at now, it's oh like fuck. If you had thrown a thousand dollars in there, you would have like quadrupled your money. I'm right there with you though. I'd go in the past based off of everything that's happened starting since 2020. And now they're doing uh, anal swabs to test COVID. I'm just like, you know what? Okay, fuck. <laughs> I'm going to go back. I'm going back in time. No, I, I hear you on that one for sure. <laughs> you know what uh, I'm saying? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Mikey. Uh, all right. Uh, one last one, dear. Uh, what do you think is your greatest achievement? I think my recovery. Sure. Definitely, because without that, I wouldn't have anything else. Yeah. You know, that's, saving my life has saved others and continues to save me on a daily basis. So, yeah, I love it. That's a perfect way to go out right there. Anything, yeah. else, any other words of uh, inspiration, Miss Alyssa, that you'd like to uh, offer to the viewers? Anyone that's maybe questioned, hey, uh, you know, their addiction, entering rehab, gone through rehab, post it, keeping sober? Uh, I think one thing I would like to say is that, you know, so many people out there fear it and they don't, they're not able to push themselves to get the help that they need. They overcomplicate it, you know, like treatment is easy and you just got to get yourself to that front door. And once you get there, you realize like, it's all going to be okay. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone has this 
this misconception of like what treatment is. They assume it's going to be a jail and that like only celebrities get to go to the good places. And that's not the case at all. There's really good treatment out there. You know, we have an epidemic in our country when it comes to not only COVID, but addiction and mental health disorders. And like, it's so important to treat yourself for this. And like, there's no reason to be ashamed anymore. You know, the stigma has been lifting and it's probably the most lifted that it's been in the past decade. And like, you're not alone. Thank you again to Miss Alyssa. Uh, wonderful lady has become a, a friend. And um, again, really just, uh, wow. You would have never have thought that. It, uh, yeah, it, it's a trip, dude. I just, I looking at her, you know, she looks like this, you know, sweet, nice young lady who you would have never have thought would have been addicted to heroin, no. you know? And it's just, like I said, addiction doesn't discriminate against anybody. Yeah, but an example that anyone can work the steps, seek sobriety, maintain sobriety, and build a life for themselves. I mean, a, a family lady now, mm -hmm. uh, thriving in her career, working directly with the Banyan Treatment Centers, and just a true example of knocking doors down. It's definitely, it's, it's inspiring when you see people who have recovered, for sure, but who recover and then work in that industry to help others recover. That's, you, you love seeing that. You got to love that. Absolutely. Well, Mr. Naraki, anything else? No, I'm going home. On that note, keep knocking doors down. Fifty-one fifty is a lifestyle. We believe in pushing yourself, finding your passion, knowing your dreams, and working hard. Always striving to make those dreams a reality. We believe life's too short to sit back and say, "What if?" Go after it, grab it, and make it happen. Being 5150 is committing to that long, hard road ahead that you know is going to be tough, but the most rewarding. That's living the madness. That's 5150. If you're living the 5150 lifestyle, then celebrate by rocking the goods. Listeners of Knocking Doors Down, head over to 5150ltm.com. That website again, 51FIFTYLTM.com. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the Knocking Doors Down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. Privacy is of the utmost importance to us. For those wishing anonymity, people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with their content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.